Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 13, 10 through 16, called We Have an Altar. We Have an Altar is the title. We are, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but we're coming to the end of the teaching of the verse-by-verse movement through the book of Hebrews, and this is the second-to-last message, and then we'll be transitioning to a new book. But we're in Hebrews 13 tonight. It's called We Have an Altar. So once you have it, if you're able, once you stand with us for the reading of God's Word, we're going to pick it up in verse to backtrack just a few verses to verse 8, reading up through verse 16. Hebrews 13, verse 8 begins, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar, there's our title for tonight, from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies, verse 11, of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips giving thanks, that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. You can have a seat. Father, thank you for tonight. We are grateful for the worship. We're grateful for the announcements because they alert us to things going on and ways that we can connect and serve and be part of the body, be uh, connected to other people, be indeed a family, a community, a kingdom of saints. And tonight, Lord, as we study your holy word, I pray that you would remind us that we have an altar that we can go to and our altar is Christ the atoning sacrifice of Christ, the finished work of Jesus. And we can receive grace upon grace upon grace. And it's not about food. It's not about menu. It's not about ritual. It's about Jesus. And thank you that Jesus has come. And thank you that he lives to intercede for his people. And thank you that he is an ever-present help in time of need. And thank you that he is for us and not against us. Thank you that we can enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way. And we can come boldly to a throne of grace, not condemnation. A throne where you pour out more and more grace. We talk about an altar tonight, we talk about grace, and Jesus is the face of grace, and the altar is the grace place. And we're going to dig into some of that tonight, and I pray that You would speak, Lord, and you would encourage your people and draw those who don't know you yet to that place of grace found at the feet of Jesus. 
we lay this time at your feet. We pray that you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say? Amen. 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 So last time we were together, we looked at verses 7 through 9. And we focused a lot of our time on this particular verse. It's verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's a beautiful, reassuring verse for all of us, that Jesus is immutable. He never changes. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he will be the same forever. He is the constant in a world of change, in a world that is often unpredictable. The writer then said in verse 9, don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. One of the things that we need to know is that doctrine is very important And doctrine is another word for teaching in the Bible. And teaching can either build you up, but teaching can also, if it's wrong teaching, it can tear you down, or you can be misinformed, or you can come under unnecessary weights in your life. This is why the Christian church historically has fought for essential Christian doctrine and even debated what we might call peripheral Uh, topics, because if grace is not at the root of the teaching, then it's going to put a weight on people's shoulders unnecessarily. So the writer of Hebrews, whoever this person is, and that's debated, says, don't be carried away. This echoes a bit of what Paul said in Ephesians 4. Don't be carried away by every wind of doctrine, by varied, notice, varied and strange teachings. Look, if you go searching for varied and strange teachings, I will guarantee you, you will find them. If not at a local religious place, you will find them abounding on the internet. (laughs) Just go search spirituality or something like that. And there will be endless trails that you can go down and rabbit holes that you can visit. And much of them have nothing to do with reality. Some of them are just simply the speculations of, you know, men and women's uh, thoughts over the years and so forth. And here the writer says there's varied and there's strange teachings. And he says, by contrast, look at the middle of nine, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Now that's where we're going tonight as we visit the altar for the Christian tonight, not by foods. Uh, I had mentioned last week that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14, you're neither the worse if you eat or the better. It's not about your menu. It's not about your diet. Uh, Of course, that can affect your health. I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but I'm saying in terms of your standing before God. Your standing before God is determined by your heart and your belief in Jesus Christ, right? Whether you know him or not. It is good. Notice it's a good thing for the heart to be strengthened. We all need strength and grace is saving grace uh, in many contexts, but here it is strengthening grace. When Paul prayed about that thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, Jesus replied, my grace is is sufficient for you, and my power is perfected in weakness. So grace sometimes is saving grace in like a salvation context, and sometimes it's strengthening grace. And since the room is filled with believers tonight and believers who are watching, that's what we all need, right? We need strengthening grace. And this is what Jesus is doing right now in his ministry 
to us, the church. He pours out grace. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 4. He is a God who gives grace upon grace upon grace. And we never stop needing it. Amen. (laughs) I mean, I come with my little cup, almost like if you want to picture the Pacific Ocean and God's just got wave after wave and I come, can he fill my cup again? Oh yeah. He's got all the resources that you would need and many, many more, right? And all you got to do is come. All you got to do is come to the altar and you will get the grace that you need. The grace is not going to come by food. It's not going to come by strange and varied teachings. It's not going to be, it's not going to come, end of verse 9, through an over-occupation with religious things. I'm not saying religion is a bad thing, but it has to be in keeping with God's word. So if you get occupied with things that have nothing to do with grace, you will not be benefited. Now you say, why is this relevant, Pastor Michael? Here's why. The, the big battle in this church, if you've been studying with us, is this deal of many of them being tempted to go back to the Old Covenant. Now, the Old Covenant was in the sacrificial system was pictured through sacrifice after sacrifice in a place called the tabernacle. We studied that when we went through the book of Exodus. And when you went into the tabernacle, the tent that Moses erected in the wilderness before the physical temple, you would walk in through a single opening, something like a curtain, And the first thing that you would see once you went into the actual court of the tabernacle was an altar of burnt offering. And that's as far as you could go as a lay person. That would be as a non-priest. You could bring your animal there as a sacrifice. You could bring a meal offering or an animal offering. And there you would lay your hands on that animal's head, confess your sins and perhaps the sins of your family. And then that animal would die in your place for your sin. There's a little bit of debate in the Christian world as to what was the impact of that death of that animal. What was, uh, scholars would use the word efficacy, like what did it really do for you? Well, in some way it did bring atonement. And that word basically means to cover. It covered your sin. It made you acceptable to God, at least in the short term, until you blew it again, right? And so the tabernacle and then the future physical temple was a place of sacrifice. And who knows over the years how many animals died in that place. Every time, you know, someone sinned and felt uh, the need to sacrifice uh, and on the major holidays and so forth, sacrifices uh, happened over and over and over again. And here the writer says we have an altar. And that altar is uh, most likely a reference to that, I I would say it is a reference to that tabernacle altar. And let me just explain what an altar is if, if you've never heard that before. An altar was basically an elevated place for sacrifice. So whenever you hear altar, it's a place of sacrifice. And in the ancient world, when the first recorded altar is actually when Noah gets off the ark. He makes an altar and a sacrifice to the Lord. Abraham had built multiple altars to the Lord as he traveled on his faith journey. And throughout, we would say, biblical history, people made altars. And sometimes altars were made in pagan worship as well. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
we are excited to announce we have the opportunity to broadcast on a new radio station. It's a daily program. We can be on every day like we are here, and we can be ministering to a whole new group of people. An opportunity that will help this ministry reach more people like you in Oahu, Hawaii. The door is open. The gospel is free. But the old saying is someone's got to put in the plumbing. Our mission with Pastor Michael's teachings is to equip listeners with God's Word in a way that helps them address today's issues, trends, and culture. You need a spiritual workout plan. What is that spiritual workout plan? It's to heal. It's to get better. It's to pursue some things. And one of the things that you pursue is peace. But before we say yes to this opportunity, we could use your help. Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Your financial commitment of at least $20 a month would help us reach this goal. That's about the price to go out and get a sandwich, a bag of chips, and drink. You'll be part of the team bringing God's truth to more people. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to help us expand, we could use your help. Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. Thank you so much to all of our partners, all of our listening family, all of our new listeners. We love you. Begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Death of that animal. What was, uh, scholars would use the word efficacy, like, what did it really do for you? Well, in some way, it did bring atonement. And that word basically means to cover. It covered your sin. It made you acceptable to God, at least in the short term, until you blew it again, right? And so the tabernacle and then the future physical temple was a place of sacrifice. And who knows over the years how many animals died in that place. Every time, you know, someone sinned and felt uh, the need to sacrifice uh, and on the major holidays and so forth, sacrifices uh, happened over and over and over again. And here the writer says we have an altar, and that altar is uh, pro- most likely a reference to that, I-, I would say it is a reference to that tabernacle altar. And let me just explain what an altar is if, if you've never heard that before. An altar was basically an elevated place for sacrifice. So whenever you hear altar, it's a place of sacrifice. And in the ancient world, when the first recorded altar is actually when Noah gets off the ark. He makes an altar and a sacrifice to the Lord. Abraham had built multiple altars to the Lord as he traveled on his faith journey. And throughout, we would say, biblical history, people made altars. And sometimes altars were made in pagan worship as well. They would go up on a hill. They would make like a rock formation. And then they would sacrifice on top of that altar. Well, in the tabernacle and then ultimately in what was called Solomon's temple and then known as Herod's temple, the altar of burnt offering was in the temple. And people would go into the temple, Jewish people, and they would bring their animals. And you remember on the Passover, the animals were being sold and there was all this stuff going on, all this activity. And people would go and The first thing that you would see if you walked into this uh, court was this altar. And it was a reminder that you could not approach God. Here's how it worked. 
you'd walk through the, the opening to the altar, and then that's as far as you could go. And then what was beyond that was a wash basin. And then you would enter into the uh, holy place, which had the menorah and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And then through one more curtain, you entered what? The holy of holies. But who could, who could go in there? Only the high priest, only once a year. So as a, just an average, if I'm an average Jewish citizen, I can bring my animal to that altar of incense, watch it die, and hope that I'm right with God. And my whole religious experience would be about an altar. It would be about sacrifice. It would be about making a mistake and watching someone die for my mistakes, etc., etc. And then the new covenant came. And Jesus came to bring a final sacrifice. He was the fulfillment of all the types and shadows, all the repetition of sacrifice after sacrifice. And by one sacrifice, this is Hebrews 10.10, for all time he sanctified those who believe. So Jesus' sacrifice is a final sacrifice. There's no more need for animals to have, you know, Lay your hands on their head and confess your sin and then die. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. He is the final sacrifice. But Hebrews is written in the 60s AD, and the temple is still standing in Jerusalem. And if you're Jewish, that's all you've ever known. That structure, that system, that teaching. And now you've been told that Jesus fulfills that. That you don't need to do that anymore. That by, one his, by his one sacrifice, it's paid in full for all time. The animals had to be high-fiving one another. Yeah, thank you, Lord, right? And so the altar's there, and the writer says we have an altar. And some scholars in verse 10 think the we is the Jewish people. Others would argue that the we is the Christian church, or here it would be, since this is the book of Hebrews, it was written to Christian Jews, if you will, Hebrew people who had confessed uh, faith in Christ. And so probably the latter is correct. We have an altar is the church. What is our altar? Well, that altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So here's the deal. We, if the altar is the altar for believers, what is our altar? And I would argue that our altar is spiritual. It's not a physical thing. Our altar, if you read commentaries on this, commentators will tell you that our altar is the cross of Christ or Christ himself or maybe we would say the atonement of Christ. That's my altar. And it's done. It's over. I'm no longer making any sacrifices there. Although with this caveat, there are sacrifices we make in the new covenant, but they're in response to Jesus's one and final sacrifice. They have nothing to do with my sin anymore. They have to do with my response to grace. So the altar is spiritual. Now you guys know that if you've been around the church long enough, you know that the church, certain churches have done altar calls. Have you heard of that? And when we do an altar call, what are we saying? Well, we're saying that people hear a gospel message and they come forward to perhaps an altar. What would that altar be? For us, well, it ain't there. But in a lot of evangelical churches, there were communion 
tables, altars, if you will, or perhaps different sorts of altars in different places. And people would come forward as a sign of, I'm responding to God. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But walking down an aisle doesn't get you saved. Standing in front of a piece of furniture doesn't get you saved. What saves you? (laughs) Jesus saves. Amen? Amen. Now, you can come to Jesus walking down onto the grass of a stadium. You can come to Jesus walking to the front of a church. You can come to Jesus and you could stand in a pew. You, You could come to Jesus with your eyes closed, seated. You could come to Jesus driving down the 91, listening to a radio broadcast. But if you pray, just keep your eyes open, right? So we have an altar for us, brethren. It's a spiritual altar. And those who still are serving in that tabernacle, that old system, that, that temple, if you will, or tabernacle, they can't eat there. Look at verse 9 and tie verse 9 with verse 10. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings it's good for the heart to be strengthened by what? By grace. We got to connect that view with our altar. You see, anyone outside of the Christian faith cannot feed upon grace. These are metaphors, if you will. They're, they're spiritual pictures. So we got to kind of move it out of the realm of wooden literal interpretation to symbolism here. The altar in this case for us, is spiritual or symbolic. The bread that we eat, the way that we receive grace, we eat it, if you will, but we eat it in a spiritual sense. We receive grace from our God. When Jesus was talking in John chapter 6, he gave a difficult teaching. If you want to hold your place in Hebrews 13, turn over to John chapter 6. So Jesus... um, gives this controversial teaching and it stirred up a lot of people and I'll just point out a few of the verses to you. So look at verse 35 of John 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John six thirty-five. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. John six thirty-five. He who believes in me will never thirst. Now, two things that we need to see here. Jesus Calling himself the bread of life is using a metaphor. He is not a loaf of bread. Could we all agree? So when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's talking about spiritual sustenance or grace for your heart, if you will. I am the bread of life. Notice that he who comes to me, so coming is equated with hunger, but being filled actually when you come you won't be hungry anymore so you'll be filled you come and you're filled you believe and you're quenched if you will you've been listening to we have an altar part one on walk in truth and that was pastor michael's teaching in hebrews chapter 13 verses 10 through 16 If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 
844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Now we've been telling you about this new opportunity in Hawaii, Oahu, Hawaii. And maybe you're asking, well, why expand to Hawaii? Why should we do that? Well, because the people of Hawaii need God's truth, just like everyone else does. If this program wasn't backed by partners and by the church fellowship where I serve as senior pastor, well, it wouldn't be on. I mean, let's just face it. It wouldn't be silent. There'd be another program filling the gap, but we wouldn't be here. And you know what? We want to be in as many places as the Lord would open a door. So what do we need to do? Well, we need partners to just commit to 20 bucks a month. Hey, if you go to a fast food restaurant by yourself, you go order a sandwich at lunchtime, you're spending 15 or 20 bucks. Could you maybe say one time a month, I won't do that and I'll support Walk in Truth? If this program has been a blessing to you, isn't it time that maybe you become a partner to help other people experience the blessing in Hawaii and other places? That's all we're asking. If you can give a $20 monthly gift, that would go a long way to us walking through this open door. And you can do it today, right now at walkintruth.com. Don't think someone else is going to do it. You're the someone else. Walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 10 through 16, called We Have an Altar. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.